Today, we have a question from a wife about sexual addiction, which for her husband started with pornography use and escalated from there to going to bars with lap dances. Welcome to the Only You Forever podcast. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you've been looking for. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Verlinda Simone Gendel. Hey, everybody, this is Q&A episode number four. We're going to be talking about sexual addiction a little bit today. During the summer season, we're going to be handling a question every week from one of our email subscribers. If you'd like to be a part of future opportunities like this, we do have a few spots open for the remainder of the summer. Be sure to sign up on our site at onlyyouforever.com. So last week, Verlinda, we answered a question also related to sexuality, where a wife wrote in saying, my thoughts about my husband's sexual history is affecting our intimacy. Mm-hmm. So if you missed that episode, be sure to go back and grab it. That is something that I think is a fairly common challenge. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. And also make sure you hit that subscribe button in your podcast player so you don't miss any future shows. So Caleb, here's today's question. And again, it's a little bit long, but bear with me here. Long is good though. It gives us the details so we can answer it better. Yeah, exactly. A lot of background. She says, Verlinda, first, I think your plans for traveling for a year sound awesome. What an exciting adventure to undertake. Your family will be my prayers that you will only experience slight bumps in the road and have a wonderful family bonding time. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) Amen. I love the podcast and feel so lucky to have found you. I think the first one I listened to was something on infidelity. I'm wondering if you might consider doing a podcast on sexual addiction. While the effects on a marriage are similar to infidelity, there's a deeper undercurrent with it. I knew there was something off in our relationship and questioned if my husband was having an affair. He always answered no. So I just thought he was a workaholic along with the impact of binge drinking. Finally, in the depths of his addiction, he began receiving text messages and phone calls that tipped me off. Sexual addiction has a broad range of activities from porn and beyond. My husband's issues started with pornographic magazines back in the 70s -hmm. and escalated to going to bars for lap dances. It basically followed the invasive changes that sexual addictions has taken in our society and how accepted it has become. The attitude of boys will be boys doesn't help, but speaks to the maturity level of some men in the American culture. He was taken with being desired by other women and became infatuated with several, but insists he never loved them, only me. I still deal with the hurt and pain that he could break our marriage vows and the years of deceit and lying. I really don't feel I was acting codependently in this because I was asking if something was wrong and we consulted several marriage counselors over the years. He admits he wasn't honest with them also. I have listened to many podcasts and YouTubes on this topic. I feel that Marsha Means and Barbara Steffen's approach to looking at the PTSD or PISD, post-infidelity stress disorder, it causes for the spouse has truly helped me. Plus, I accept that this addiction is rooted in an intimacy disorder. Many experts, so-called, support divorce, but I chose not to take that path because of my religious beliefs. So I was wondering if you might look at the issues of sexual addictions from a perspective of staying in the marriage. Thanks so much, Peggy. P.S. I have to admit, I love both of your laughs. Keep up the great work. Hmm. Thanks. <laughs> yep. So, Caleb. I think I um, asked you what the question was. Yes. When we were talking about this beforehand, Verlinda. Yeah. And you wrote uh, Peggy back and... She clarified that it. she wanted support for, for staying in the marriage okay. when all of the support that she seems to have found promotes divorce in this okay. situation. Okay. And then there's a couple other things in here too that I've just highlighted. I think we should touch on after that. Okay. So we absolutely support your value for staying in the marriage. Yes. I think it's easy for people looking on to just kind of, um, I don't know what you call it, but 
almost to objectify the sex addict, which is what he's doing to all those women. Woman. Yeah. But almost objectify him back as being sleazy or kind of a bit of a perv or, you know what I mean? Like there's, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and, and thereby characterize the person as unworthy of love and marriage mm -hmm. and so on. And without accepting any of his sin or the things that he has done that are wrong, which we clearly stand on the moral side that all of that is wrong. Mm -hmm. He is still a person that's worthy of love and mm -hmm. he experiences God's love and grace and mercy and forgiveness and so we totally support your belief and your value that you should stay in this marriage. Now, that doesn't make the pain any less. No, it doesn't make the pain any less, nor does it make the requirement any less for him to deal with this. Yes. We're not accepting the sin. So, and that's something that I remember from my, as a young person growing up in the church culture that we grew up in, there was kind of a lot of that, you know, love the uh, sinner, hate the sin yeah. language. And I think that's actually, a, that's a pretty good perspective to take. Okay. So, I don't know where folks always are coming from on breaking the marriage thing up. The men that I've worked with that have struggled with sexual addiction have turned around in their marriages, made them much more intimate and become really good, loving husbands with a far deeper level of intimacy following everything being blown apart when they rebuilt together and the wife was willing to do that work with him, a far mm -hmm. deeper level than what they had started with. And maybe even a deeper level of intimacy than your average marriage. Hmm. So it's possible here. It's possible. And I think the root of that is, and I hear this talked about a little bit, and I agree with it on the professional side of looking at sexual addiction, that this is really an intimacy disorder. Mm -hmm. and so the what does that mean? Well, the disorderly part is that the intimacy is you go searching for that connection on the internet or in pornography magazines or in bars or whatever, right? Okay. So the intimacy is sought through acting out, but really the deeper search is the intimacy connection, a oh, longing okay. to feel accepted, validated, whatever. And, you know, without unpacking the, all the details of sexual addiction, when that's identified and that the healthy parts of that desire can be directed into the marriage to ask for what you need, mm -hmm. when you need it, mm -hmm. and the wife is stepping up to that, that's when you start to create real intimacy in the marriage. Okay. So it's possible yeah. for a sex addict to overcome this. To overcome the addiction. Yeah. And... And to find real, true intimacy in the marriage. So it's, you want to go for more than, like to me, to just stop the behavior. Yeah, you need more. There's no healing there. And that's why the intimacy part is very important because there is a core need, which is a valid need Yeah. in every sex addict for intimacy. Okay. Now they've gone about looking for that in all sorts of wrong and sometimes yeah. even terrible and bad ways, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But the need that's in the middle of it is valid. Okay. Uh, kind of another question here. Yeah. You know, I've heard it talked about that sex addicts can't be fixed. Do you believe that? Uh, I would have a nuanced answer because if you've gone down the road of looking at pornography and all these and sexual acting out to fix that intimacy thing for a long time, you've beat down some neural pathways in your brain. Mm -hmm. And those neural pathways will always exist as vulnerabilities. Okay. 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 It's just like uh, around here, the deer they seem to find particular trails through the grass and how that becomes the trail. I have no idea, but you can see the beat down paths because those deer are using them, right? Yeah. Now, if you were to build something human right in the middle of that path, they would go a different way. Right. And so when I'm working with addicts, what I want them to do is to stop using those paths and let the weeds grow up through there and break it up and overgrow it. And eventually, you know, it really fades, mm -hmm. but the vulnerability does exist. Okay. So I think, you know, if you really stop and think about that question and what you asked, it's like, can I stop sinning? Nobody mm -hmm. can stop sinning, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so we shouldn't expect that of them either. 
but they should expect, you know, they need to define sobriety, if I can use some AA language, mm -hmm. and where they want to get to. And that obviously the spouse has to be agreed to that level of sobriety, which uh, for me, I prefer zero. Like uh, you get all your intimacy in a healthy way from your marriage. You don't go anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And and that's our goal. And there's, I see the odd relapse from time to time, usually more dabbling than serious. Mm-hmm. And that often just kind of strengthens the person to really understand, okay, I absolutely cannot go back down there, but okay. it, it does kind of freak you out when it happens. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know. Does that answer your question or avoid it? Well, I, when I heard that, I just thought it was an excuse. What? Like, oh, well, sex addicts can't be healed. Okay. No, they can and, experience healing. Yeah. By all means. And maybe they're more vulnerable, so they need to work harder in this department. Yeah. And the guys I work with, you know, you can't be prescribed, but I've noticed that they all seem to have this one transformational moment where they realize, you know, they get up with that core ache mm -hmm. that drove them to act out mm -hmm. and they choose something better that day. And it's just like, it's almost like a revelatory moment where it's like, and it was like so much better. And I realized I don't have to do that. And mm -hmm. that's, that's something that I look for in their healing journey. Cause to me, that's a huge milestone Yeah, where you realize that there's a better choice and that, you know, obedience to Christ and my values and respecting my wife, that those things all together, they feel way better than going down that road. Hmm. So they get very, very healed. But perfection doesn't come till heaven. Right. Okay. So hopefully that's realistic. Yeah. And did you have another? No, I just feel like we're dwelling on the addict here and not on the wife here who asked the question. But yeah, well, she's asking the question. Yeah. Can I stay in my marriage? And I'm hoping that by explaining what, and I'm hoping I'm not just being defensive here, but <laughs> I'm hoping that by, by talking a little bit about the addict, that she has expectations of what her marriage can look like. Yeah. Has hope. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Because, and this is what I see and have seen and continue to see. Okay. It's remarkable the recovery that these men do make and the power of God that you see in their lives. Like I, I see the gospel more powerfully in the lives of sex addicts than I do any other kind of micro population, if I can. Okay. Yeah. But I don't work with everybody either. So that's just what I see. Yeah. Now she uh, had said, I wonder if you might consider doing a podcast on sexual addiction. So we're touching on that today. We do have a series planned probably for the fall that we're hoping to do. It is a very big topic and we're just trying to figure out how to best approach it. Yeah. So thanks for that prompting. It's a big, big issue. Evangelical blog recently saying that this is the single biggest pastoral challenge in North America. Wow. Is pornography and sex addiction. Yeah. Well, I mean, the number of people that reach out yeah. Mentioning it. It's huge. Yeah. Um, she said that he was taken with being desired with other, be other women, became infatuated with several, but insists he never loved them, only me. Mm -hmm. Do you think I could speak to that for a moment? Yeah. So it probably seems unbelievable, but this is possible. That he wasn't lying, that this was truthful. Yeah. That he was being true there, that he didn't love them. You know, he, he acted in ways toward them that should be reserved for the person that he loves. Yes. And that's what's so confusing about this. Uh, but quite often the addict, you know, because of the objectification that comes with the addiction, oh, he's treating them object. as their objects, not people. So it is possible that though he acted in ways that are loving, he never did love them. Okay. Yeah. And only you, but I can see why you would doubt that. It'd be really hard to believe because the things that he's doing indicate love. Yeah. Or yeah. should. Yeah. Yeah. Should. And then she also mentioned, I really don't feel I was acting codependently. And I want to support you in this, Peggy, because I had a few people write in after our previous episode. I think, it, yeah, I think it was the previous one. 
or maybe it was episode two, just challenging me. Uh, it was the one where I, I mentioned that in the affair, like somehow the two of you created the environment where the affair happened. Yeah. And I had others write in and say, you know what, that you're absolutely right, even though I didn't like hearing that. Hmm. But the one that challenge that I thought that was really good was a wife asking about the situation of sexual addiction or pornography addiction where it's secret. And, and I think this is maybe what Peggy is speaking to a little bit here, because if she doesn't know what's going on, she's not really involved with creating the environment where this is happening as much. Oh, okay. Yeah. You see what I mean? So often like when there's ongoing affairs or there's sexual addiction and the wife knows about it, part of codependency is you inadvertently end up supporting that even though you don't want it. You're trying to manage the person towards healing to make them better, all this kind of okay, thing. Okay. But if you have no idea that any of this is being carried on and it's totally absent to you mm-hmm. or absent from your awareness, then yeah, that's not, there's no codependency really possible there. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, but I do like to say to, to wives, because uh, it is usually wives that I'm working with, that, you know, she says here, she was asking if something was wrong. Yeah. Okay. You just have mentioned a number of times that you work with the guys on sexual addiction. And now you've just said you mainly work with the wives. I said I mainly work with the wives. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Or are you meaning like you mainly hear this from wives? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, thanks for clarifying that. So. Sorry, I threw you off. Yeah. You, uh, well, I, I think what I was trying to say was it's, it's not uncommon for me to hear from the wife that she kind of wondered if something was up. Yeah. At some root level, there's some gnawing. And what I often will tell wives is, you know what? Save that because that's valuable to you. That's your intuition. That's your gut. That's your God-given instinct or your, or maybe even the spirit of God just sort of doing the heads up for you, okay? And learn to listen to that still quiet voice and to be in touch with that because this is part of your process of regaining trust and knowing how things are going is to sit with that feeling oh. and to, to learn that that is a reliable source of information as to what is going on in your marriage because they're trust has been so shattered and their world is so upside down that they wonder what they can believe about anything anymore. And Mm -hmm. you have to hold on to this piece inside yourself that knows, often knows at some level that something's not right. Hmm. That's kind of neat. Yeah. Now, if you know that and you ignore that, you might begin to act codependently. Oh. Okay. Okay. So that's just sort of a heads up to be aware of. And then she also mentioned PISD, post-infidelity stress disorder. And I actually uh, just ended uh, with our researcher working on research for episode 125 is going to be about post-infidelity stress disorder, which is the symptoms that follow when usually typically a wife or it's the betrayed spouse may experience following the, like the uh, shocking revelation of mm-hmm. a life of infidelity or even one affair or something mm-hmm. like that. It's just a, such a severe trauma blow. Mm-hmm. And PISD is kind of a knockoff of PTSD. One of the diagnostic criteria for PTSD is that you have to have witnessed near death or death in order to qualify for PTSD. Yeah. And obviously in the cases of sexual infidelity, that doesn't happen. But I mean, it's the near death of their marriage. Yes. And yet so many of the other symptoms of PTSD are found when folks struggle or discover an affair that they've uh, just started to name this thing that they're calling PISD. Okay. Post-infidelity stress disorder. Yeah. So more about that later. Okay. And uh, yeah, anything else, Berlinda, that we might have missed here? Do you think we answered Peggy's question about staying in the marriage fairly and completely? Yeah, I think so. Just like take hope because yeah, this marriage can be healed. Yeah. And he can be an overcomer and you yeah. can have 
a sweet, intimate marriage. Yeah. So think about this as something that has opened the door to show you the need to create much greater intimacy in your marriage. Not your need, but you as a couple to co-create. So the pressure is not all on you, Peggy. Yeah. Yeah. And and to grow more deeply in this. And, and without this having come to light, uh, you would have never known, although at some level you may have intuited it. Right. But there just wouldn't be that closeness that you're yeah. looking for. Now, this is time. an opportunity to create something really deep. Yeah. That's neat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's wrap up. Alrighty. So we want to shout out a huge thank you to those who left us an iTunes review this week. It says, thank you. Five stars from appreciation from MD. It says, what a wonderful podcast. I appreciate the great advice and research. I also appreciate that they are Christian, but not preachy as I am agnostic. It has helped my marriage immensely. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I think it's neat that like we can put this out there, but they put it into practice and it helps. Yeah. Like it works. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So if you want to get involved in our mission to help save marriages through the podcast, we'd like to ask you to contribute to our crowdfunding campaign. We want to reach 5,000 marriages a week through the podcast, and we can't do that without your help. And for even $5 a month, you can help us move towards making that a reality. Please go to oif.link slash give to learn more about how you can help us reach more marriages. Once again, that link is oif.link slash give. All right, Caleb, next week we have a question about after infidelity strikes, how do you trust your husband again? Good question. Mm-hmm. So that's all for today's episode. If you want to review this question or share it with others, you can do that via our short link at oyf.link slash QA4. And we'd love to hear from you. Please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, just like appreciation from MD. It helps to increase the visibility of our show to other marriages so that we can reach and influence more people for good. So thanks and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the OnlyYouForever.com podcast. Please help us reach and influence a wider audience by rating and reviewing our podcast at OnlyYouForever.com slash love. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.